0: Ah yes, it is a Friday morning and we are back here on MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. My name is Greg Moraz and boy do we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on in San Francisco right now, given the pandemic. We have the PGA Championship over at Harding Park. The fog was starting to settle in at the end of yesterday's round. This is not a golf podcast, but I just had to put that out there. I love golf. I am so happy that a major championship is back here in the city by the Bay. Make sure that you write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. Helps out our metrics tremendously. And make sure that you tell a friend to tell another friend about the show. I appreciate everybody that has written a review, whether it be five stars or one star, on whether you do a rating or just a simple text review. I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, this podcast is not possible. Even though you're not giving me any money, this is free content, and I'm just giving this to you because, well, you come here and you want to be entertained. Are you not entertained? I know you're entertained. Anyways, another brief opening segment, there's really not a whole lot to talk about other than the reschedules, and the reschedules are going to be very important for the Marlins, the Phillies, and the Cardinals, because in September, in mid-September, these three teams are going to have to make up a lot of games. Let's first start off with the Cardinals, who announced their reschedule plans earlier on Thursday. Their series against the Detroit Tigers is going to be rescheduled as part of two doubleheaders. They're going to have one on Thursday, August 13th at Comerica Park, so a week from now, and then the second on Thursday, September 10th at Bush Stadium. I assume one team will be the home team and one team will be the road team for each of those two. Their originally scheduled game against the White Sox at Dyersville in the Field of Dreams game. That's going to be a guaranteed rate field on Friday, August 14th. Their three game series that got canceled in Milwaukee against the Brewers is going to be rescheduled as part of, get this, three different doubleheaders. Monday, September 14th at Miller Park. Wednesday, September 16th at Miller Park, and Friday, September 25th at Busch Stadium with the Brewers as the home team for one of those games. So they're going to effectively have a five-game series. Phillies and Marlins are going to be dealing with the same stuff. They're both going to have to play, at least the Marlins, I should say, 27 games in 23 days. They're going to have four doubleheaders in a 10-day span. The Phillies are going to play a lot of doubleheaders as well, August 20th, September 18th, and then they're going to add a home doubleheader against the Boston Red Sox on September 6th. This is all very confusing, but these teams, while they had a lot of time off and they've been able to alter their pitching, at this point in time, they're good. But just watch, especially with the Marlins playing as well as they are right now, and with the Phillies potentially getting back into the swing of things... It's going to make a big impact moving forward. The one big question is, is when you're talking about the playoff format, how is the Western Division in each league going to have an advantage or disadvantage over the Central and the East? Because the Western Division at this point is not going to have any of these COVID makeups, knock on wood, and I'm knocking on wood. I, I hope you can hear my desk right now. Hopefully they don't have to make up any games due to COVID, but Is this going to be an advantage or a disadvantage for the teams in the West? Also remember, the West, at least everywhere except for Denver, is not going to have any issues in regards to weather. Houston and Texas, they both have retractable domes, as does Seattle. You basically get no rain in Southern California, and for the most part, Northern California during the summertime. Arizona, they also have a retractable roof. So basically, you just have to worry about the Colorado Rockies, and if they are okay in terms of weather, then you're not really going to have to worry about anything moving forward. In the Midwest and the East, you're still going to have rainouts. You're still going to have doubleheaders even without COVID cancellations. So the competitive balance of this all is going to be fascinating. Remember, first and second place teams in each division. Now it's the traditional divisions, not these 10-team COVID-19 divisions that have been set up. So the playoffs are going to be just like a normal season, American League, National League, and you'll have an AL versus NL World Series. I think it is very difficult at this point in time to have an idea as to what it's going to end up doing at the end of the season, but all I can tell you is this. The teams that have the best bullpens and the teams that are able to keep their pitching staff healthy are going to be the teams that are going to have the biggest advantage. Now, one other thing that I do want to talk about is that rosters, as of yesterday, are now down to 28 players. Now, they were going to get reduced to 26 in another two weeks, but Major League Baseball decided they're going to keep it at 28, which I think is good given every little thing that's going to be in flux in regards to COVID-19 and any positive tests. The taxi squad, that's going to be expanded from three to five, so... We are going to have rosters at 28 for the rest of the year, and we'll see how teams are able to survive with that. Again, I felt like given the universal DH, you can load up on pitching. You keep your lineup the same. We haven't seen a lot of teams keep their lineup pretty much the exact same. The Oakland A's are the one team that has basically kept their lineup the same with the exception of second base where they've swapped in Tony Kemp and Chad Pinder and the catcher position where they go Sean Murphy and Austin Allen. But most teams that I've seen, they've kept pretty much the same lineup. So at the end of the show, we're going to do a league leaders update as well, which we have not done yet because we're basically two weeks in. I want to do a league leaders update, and I know that it's not going to be representative of those players' exact abilities because it's a small sample size. But I just want to highlight a couple of guys and give a couple people some props for a good two-week start to the season. And that's a great segue into our first recap, the Pirates and the Twins. The Pirates hosting the Twins at PNC Park on Thursday afternoon. Minnesota in command going into the ninth inning. They had a chance to go to a league-best 11-2. But as bad as Pittsburgh has been so far, the Buccos had something to say about it. And let's just preface this highlight by saying, in the words of Jerry Seinfeld, Hello, Newman! Didn't get past him like it did John Casey, though. That one up the middle and through. Tucker is in with the tying run. Here comes Reynolds. He will score, and Mr. Walkoff does it again. Kevin Newman is the hero and the walk walkoff winners today. A two-RBI walk-off single for Kevin Newman as the Pirates come back with three runs over the final two innings to beat the Twins 6-5. Pirates improve to 3-10. Twins fall to 10-3. Sam Howard gets the win out of the Pirates' bullpen. He goes an inning and a third of scoreless relief, allows one hit, no walks, and has one strikeout. Taylor Rogers takes the loss. His first blown save, he is 1-1, one and one. Two earned runs on three hits in a third of an inning, no walks, and a strikeout. Kenta Maeda got the start for Minnesota. He allowed three runs on three hits over six innings, one walk, and four strikeouts. Twins got on the board with three runs in the top of the first inning. On a Miguel Sano three-run homer, his third of the year, but the Pirates tied the game in the bottom of the second inning on a Gregory Polanco three-run homer, his first of the year. Twins took the lead back in the top of the fourth inning thanks to a Byron Buxton homer, his first, and then extended the lead thanks to an Eddie Rosario home run, a solo shot in the top of the fifth inning to make it five to three. It remained five three until the bottom of the eighth inning when Philip Evans drove home a run with an RBI ground out, and then Newman with his walk-off single. Twins had five runs on nine hits. Pirates, six runs on seven hits. As we said, twins are 10 and three. Pirates are three and 10. For Pittsburgh offensively, Colin Moran, two for four with a run scored. Brian Reynolds, two for four with two runs scored. Gregory Polanco, one for four with a three run homer. Also of note, Kevin Newman in a pinch hitting situation, mind you, he goes one for one with his two RBI walk off single. For Minnesota, Jorge Polanco, three for five with a run scored. Eddie Rosario, one for two with a homer. An RBI, two walks and two runs scored. Miguel Sano, one for four with three RBI. And here Adrianza goes two for four in the performance. The other team that has gotten off to the best start in all of baseball is the Chicago Cubs. They were 10-3 going into a Thursday night matchup against the Kansas City Royals, and for the first time all year, the Cubs pitching staff was not up to par. It's another 2-2. It's pulled over third and down the line, base hit for Perez. Merrifield can really run, he hits third and he's headed home on a double from Perez and they lead a 10-0. Kansas City wallops Chicago 13-2. Royals are 4-10. Cubs fall to 10-3. Brad Keller gets the win in his season debut. He goes five innings of shutout baseball, allows three hits, walks two, strikes out seven. Tyler Chatwood takes his first loss of the year. He is 2-1. Chatwood had been fantastic through his first two starts, but allows eight runs on 11 hits over two and a third innings of work. Royals got one run in the first inning on a Ryan O'Hearn RBI single, then two in the bottom of the second inning on a Whit Merrifield two-run homer. In the bottom of the third, the floodgates opened. Alex Gordon made it 4 nothing on an RBI double, and Mike Franco hit a two-run homer to make it 6-zip. The seventh run came courtesy of a Nick Heath RBI double, and then Jorge Soler drove home a run with an RBI groundout. Salvador Perez drove home the sixth run of the inning and the ninth run of the ballgame thanks to his RBI double. Royals added on two more in the bottom of the fifth inning on another Perez double and a Ryan O'Hearn double. Jorge Soler homered in the bottom of the seventh inning to make it 12-0 Kansas City, and Alex Gordon made it 13-0 with an RBI single in the bottom of the eighth inning. Cubs scored two runs in the top of the ninth, but they were meaningless. For Kansas City, they had 18 hits in the ballgame. The top of the order, the top four guys in the order, each had at least two hits. Whit Merrifield, 2 for 4, 3 runs scored, 2 RBI and a walk. Jorge Soler, 3 for 5, 2 RBI and 2 runs scored. Salvador Perez, 3 for 5 with 2 RBI and a run scored. Ryan O'Hearn went 2 for 3 with 2 RBI. And hey, even the guy that pinch hit for him, Brett Phillips, goes 1 for 1 with a run scored. Also, cannot forget Alex Gordon, who goes 2 for 5 with 2 RBI and a run scored. Michael Franco 2 for 5 with 2 RBI and 2 runs scored. Everybody in Kansas City starting lineup, had at least one hit. Cubs were held to seven hits in the game. Victor Caratini goes two for four with an RBI. He was the only Cub with multiple hits. The Cleveland Indians have all of a sudden found their stride. They hosted the Reds at Progressive Field on Thursday. And let's just say there was no offense left off the table. Jose sends a high fly ball to deep left field. Back is Akiyama at the wall. And it is gone. A home run for Ramirez. What a night for Jose, his second home run of the ball game, and he has driven in four runs on the night. That home run for Jose Ramirez, his second of the game, capped off a 10-run seventh inning. Indians shut out the Reds 13-0. Cleveland is 8-6. Cincinnati falls to 5-8. Winning pitcher Carlos Carrasco, he is 2-1. He allows one hit over six innings, no runs, four walks, and eight strikeouts. Luis Castillo takes the loss. He allows three runs on four hits over five innings, four walks, and nine strikeouts. Reds backup first baseman Matt Davidson pitched the eighth inning, and he had a shutout performance. He was the only one of the Reds pitchers that did not allow a run. Cleveland got on the board thanks to a Jose Ramirez homer in the bottom of the first inning. They scored two runs in the bottom of the fifth inning thanks to a Ramirez RBI triple and a Francisco Lindor single. Then the bottom of the seventh happened when 10 runs scored, capped off by that Jose Ramirez two-run homer that you just heard. Looking at the box score, Indians had 11 hits. They drew nine walks in the game. Ramirez, the star of the show, three for five with two home runs, four RBI and four runs scored. Cesar Hernandez goes two for four with three RBI, three runs scored and a walk. Also of note, Franmil Reyes has two RBI. He goes two for four with one run scored. The Indians were stellar in this game. For Cincinnati, they had just three hits. Jesse Winker goes two for four. The rest of the lineup went just one for 25. Ouch. Indians starting pitching, by far the best in baseball. Another team that has gotten hot, the Oakland A's, they have won five in a row, and we're looking to make it six against the Texas Rangers on an afternoon at the Coliseum. Grand slam as Miner comes back, and here's a drive into right, way back, Gallo at the track, he's right to the wall, he'll look and watch it fly, and Olson has done it again. Up on the ledge, above the out-of-town scoreboard, and the A's take a 1-0 lead. Stay hot. Matt Olson has hit three homers over the last two ball games, two yesterday, and that one you just heard as the A's beat the Rangers six to four. They sweep Texas at the Coliseum, and Oakland has won six in a row after starting three and four. Mike Fiers gets the win; he is one and zero. Oh. Fiers allows four runs on seven hits in six innings, two walks and two strikeouts. Mike Miner takes the loss for Texas. Five runs on four hits over five innings, two walks, and six strikeouts. Liam Hendricks picks up his fourth save, allows one hit, and records one strikeout. A scored first in the second inning thanks to Matt Olson's fourth homer of the year, the one that you just heard, and then added on four in the bottom of the fourth. Mark Canna, an RBI single. Chris Davis, a two-RBI single. And Stephen Piscotti, a sack fly. In the top of the fifth inning, Anderson Tejeda, got Texas on the board with an RBI single. Todd Frazier hit a solo homer in the top of the sixth to make it 5-2 Oakland. Anderson Tejeda hit his first homer of the year, a two-run shot to make it 5-4 Oakland in the top of the seventh. But Sean Murphy added on some insurance with an RBI single in the bottom of the seventh to make it 6-4 in favor of the A's. Rangers had 12 hits in the ball game. A's had just six. For Oakland, Chris Davis goes 2 for 3 with two RBI. Ramon Laureano 1 for 3 with a run scored. Mark Cannell 1 for 4 with an RBI and a run scored. Matt Olson 1 for 3 with a walk, an RBI, and a run scored. Sean Murphy also had a 1 for 3 performance with an RBI. For Texas, they had 12 hits in the ball game. Todd Frazier, Nick Solak, and Isaiah Keiner Falefa. Each had at least two hits. Two for four performances for Frazier and Solak. Three for four performance for kiner Falefa. Anderson Tejeda goes two for four with three RBI and a run scored. Sinsu Chu goes two for five at the top of the lineup. A's are nine and four. Rangers are three and eight. We now go to Baltimore where the Miami Marlins served as the home team. And the Marlins, despite a long layoff, well, they have not showed any rust. Well, now a guy that you'd certainly like at the plate in a spot like this with two in scoring position and two outs. Brian Anderson in the right center field, a base hit. Cervelli scores easily, rounding third, Aguilar. Throw is cut off, and the Marlins back in front. The seesaw continues, 4-3. Marlins break a 6-6 tie with two runs in the bottom of the seventh inning, and they hold on to beat the Orioles 8-7. Miami is 6-1, Baltimore is 5-7. The winning pitcher is Mike Morin. Morin, out of the Marlins' bullpen, goes two scoreless innings, does not allow a hit, Doesn't walk anybody, but also doesn't strike out anybody. Evan Phillips takes the loss. He is one and one. He allows two runs in one inning of work on two hits. Brandon Kinsler gets the save, his third. He allows one run on three hits in one frame of work. Marlins scored first in the bottom of the first inning on a Jonathan VR homer, his first. Baltimore ties it in the top of the second inning on Renato Nunez's third homer of the year. Marlins take the lead back in the bottom of the second on a Magnari-Sierra sacrifice fly. Top third, Orioles take a 3-2 lead thanks to an Anthony Santander RBI triple and a Dwight Smith junior sack fly. Marlins take the lead back in the bottom of the third inning on a Brian Anderson 2-RBI single. Chance Sisko for the Orioles ties the game with a solo homer in the top of the fourth at 4. Marlins retake the lead at 6-4 on a Jonathan VR RBI single. A run ends up scoring thanks to a throwing error by Anthony Santander. Dwight Smith Jr. hits a homer in the top of the sixth inning to make it 6-5, and then Renato Nunez hits his second homer of the game to tie it up at 6 Bottom seven, Jesus Aguilar with a sack fly to give the Marlins a 7-6 lead and Brian Anderson on that triple that you just heard to extend the lead to 8-6. Pedro Severino with an RBI single in the top of the ninth inning, but it was not enough for Baltimore. Marlins and Orioles each had 11 hits. For Miami, VR goes three for five with two RBI and a run scored playing against the Orioles, his former team. Francisco Cervelli goes two for four with two runs scored. Brian Anderson, two for four with three RBI. Logan Forsythe, two for four with a run scored. Monte Harrison gets his first major league hit as he goes one for four. For Baltimore, Hanser Alberto, 2-for-5 with a run scored. Anthony Santander, 2-for-5 with an RBI and a run scored. Renato Nunez, 2-for-4 with two solo homers. Chance Sisko, 2-for-3 with a solo homer and a walk. Chris Davis, 1-for-4 with a run scored. Our next stop is Philadelphia, where the Yankees and the Phillies were playing the final game of their very oddly modified four-game series. That one's out toward left field, going back on it is Gardner, back toward the wall. It is gone! A three-run home run! He got a hanging curveball, and he didn't miss it. And the Phillies jump out to the early lead. Man, I love three-run homers. That JT Realmuto homer gave the Phillies a lead they would not relinquish. Philadelphia holds on to beat New York 5-4 at Citizens Bank ballpark. Phillies are 3-4, and four. Yankees are 9-3. and three. Winning pitcher for Philadelphia, Deolis Guerra, as he goes one inning out of the bullpen in relief of Zach Eflin. Guerra pitches a perfect fifth inning, no walks and one strikeout. Eflin allowed two unearned runs on four hits over four innings, one walk and five strikeouts. Jordan Montgomery takes the loss. He is 1-1, one one. five runs on six hits over four innings, one walk and two strikeouts. Hector Neris gets the save. His second, two hits in an inning and a third, no runs, no walks, and a strikeout. Real Muto with a three run homer in the bottom of the first inning. Mike Touchman then made it 3 2 in favor of Philadelphia by driving home two with a single for the Yankees in the top of the second inning. Phil Gosselin then hits a two RBI double in the bottom of the third inning that scored Bryce Harper and Real Muto. Yankees get a two-run homer from Gary Sanchez in the top of the seventh inning to make it 5-4, but the Phillies hold on from there. Yankees nine hits, Phillies with eight. Real Muto for Philadelphia goes two for four with three RBI and two runs scored. Phil Gosselin goes one for two with two RBI. Bryce Harper one for two, two walks and two runs scored. Andrew McCutcheon two for four for the Phillies as well. For New York, Mike Touchman goes two for five with two RBI. Brett Gardner, two for three with a run scored. Gary Sanchez, one for four with two RBI. Next stop is Truist Park in Atlanta, where the Braves were finishing up their series against the Toronto Blue Jays. Fly ball deep toward right field. That ball's going to go. Nick Markakis walks us off on the first pitch. Nick Marcakis, who had initially opted out of this season, opts back in, and look what he does. He hits a walk-off homer. 4-3 win for Atlanta over Toronto. Braves are 9-5. Blue Jays are 4-6. Mark Melanson earns the win with a perfect ninth inning. No strikeouts, no walks for him in that frame. Wilmer Font, the loss. He is 0-1. Melanson, by the way, 1-0. Font goes a third of an inning. His one hit that home run from Marcakis. Nate Pearson got the start for Toronto. The Blue Jays' top pitching prospect allows three runs on two hits over five innings, three walks, and five strikeouts. Tukey Toussaint went for Atlanta. He allowed three runs on four hits over six and two-thirds. No walks. Toussaint had nine strikeouts. Atlanta got on the board with two runs in the bottom of the first inning on a Freddie Freeman two-run homer. Blue Jays got a run in the top of the fourth inning on a Beau Bichette solo homer. Atlanta extended the lead back to 3-1 in the bottom of the fourth inning on an Adam Duvall sacrifice fly. Blue Jays scored two in the top of the seventh inning on a Vlad Guerrero Jr. RBI groundout and a Teoscar Hernandez RBI single remained 3-3 going into the bottom of the ninth inning before that Marcakis blast. Just four hits in the game for Atlanta, just five for Toronto. Nobody had multiple hits except for Freeman, who goes two for four with two RBI and a run scored. For Toronto, Lourdes Guriel went two for four with a run scored. Nobody else had multiple hits in the game. We go to Colorado, where the Rockies had a late rally against the San Francisco Giants. This ball hit in the air high and deep right field. Take a good look. You won't see it for now. Two run. Go ahead. Pitch it home run from Daniel Murphy. Rockies up four to three. By the way, one of the greatest decisions of 2020 was the Rockies deciding to use El Sonidito as their home run song. My goodness is that catchy, and does it get me in a good mood. Rockies hit three home runs, including two in a five-run seventh inning to beat the Giants 6-4. to four. Rockies are 9-3, Giants are 6-8. and Yency Almonte gets the win out of the Rockies' bullpen. He's 1-0, one, oh, one run on two hits over an inning, no walks and two strikeouts. Rigo Garcia does not record an out. He takes the loss for the Giants. He is 0-1, allowing three runs on three hits, allowing one homer, that coming to Daniel Murphy. Rockies got on the board in the bottom of the sixth inning. It was a scoreless game until then on a Trevor Story homer, his fifth of the year Mauricio Dubon hit a three-run homer for the Giants in the top of the seventh inning to make it 3-1 San Francisco. Chris Owings, though, doubled home the second run of the game for the Rockies in the bottom of the seventh inning to make it 3-2 San Francisco. Then Daniel Murphy hits a two-run homer for 3-Colorado. Charlie Blackman adds on with a two-run homer to make it 6-3 Colorado. Mike Yastrzemski had an RBI single in the top of the eighth inning, but it was for naught. Kyle Freeland got the start for Colorado. He allows three runs on eight hits over six and two-thirds innings, two walks, and two strikeouts. Tyler Anderson got the start for the Giants, and here's where I'm a little bit angry just as a baseball purist, and Gabe Kapler's going to hear a lot of my wrath on this podcast. Tyler Anderson goes five innings, doesn't allow a run, two hits, two walks, three strikeouts. He throws 66 pitches, Gets pulled and Wandy Peralta comes in and gives up a homer to Trevor Story. It is inexcusable to pull a guy after 66 pitches. That is where analytics is taking this game. It is, in my opinion, ruining the starting pitcher. But, anyways, that's neither here nor there. Let's go through some of the individual statistics in the box scores. Trevor Story, 2 for 4 with a solo homer. He had one RBI in the game. Charlie Blackman, 2 for 3 with a two run homer. Two RBI, one walk, and one run scored. Daniel Murphy, a pinch hit, two run homer, one for one with two RBI. For the Giants, Donovan Solano, three for four with one run scored, Pablo Sandoval, two for three with one run scored, and a walk. Mauricio Dubon, two for four with a three run homer and one run scored. Arizona has kicked it back into gear. They were hosting the Astros at Chase Field. 2-2, Calhoun down the right field line towards the corner, it's a fair ball! And the Diamondbacks will win the game, and they'll win the series. Their first series win of the year. They come back to win it on a Cole Calhoun walk-off, 5-4 Diamondbacks. Cole Calhoun's two-RBI walk-off double gives the Diamondbacks a 5-4 win over the Astros at Chase Field. Arizona 5-8, Houston 6-6. Junior Guerra gets the win out of the bullpen. He is 1-0. He goes a perfect ninth inning. No hits, no walks, one strikeout. Ryan Presley takes the loss for Houston. He does not record an out, allows two runs on three hits, and walks one. Brandon Belak got the start for Houston. He went five shutout, allowed just two hits, three walks, one strikeout. Zach Gallon went for Arizona. He allowed two runs on six hits over six innings, one walk, and six strikeouts. The game was scoreless until the top of the fourth inning when Uli Gurriel had an RBI single. Jose Altuve extended the Houston lead to 2-0 on his third homer in the top of the sixth inning. Diamondbacks took the lead with a three-run bottom of the sixth inning thanks to a Christian Walker double, a David Peralta single, and an Andy Young RBI groundout. Houston took the lead back in the top of the eighth on a two-run homer from Alex Bregman, his third of the year to make it 4-3. Calhoun then had the dagger with the 2-RBI double in the bottom of the ninth. For Arizona, Cattell Marte goes 3-for-5. Starling Marte goes 3-for-5 with a run scored. Cole Calhoun ends up with a 1-for-5 performance with 2-RBI. David Peralta, 1-for-2 with an RBI and two walks. For Houston, Jose Altuve, 3-for-4 with three runs scored and an RBI. Alex Bregman, 2-for-4 with two RBI and a run scored. They had five of the eight Houston hits. We head next to Chicago for the Brewers and the White Sox, and Christian Yelich did something pretty darn cool. We'll let you take a listen. And the one-two. Yelich in the air, left field, got some carry, but Jimenez, oh, he can't make the play, and it's a fair ball, and now Jimenez is in the net. Yelich around second on his way to third. And he is going to try to score. Here comes a throw, and Yelich is in there. Christian Yelich is known for hitting long home runs, but hey, if you get yourself an inside the Parker, it counts just the same. Brewers beat the White Sox 8-3. They are 5-5 and on the season. Chicago is 7-6. and Winning pitcher Josh Lindblom, he is 1-0. Lindblom goes five innings of two-run baseball, four hits allowed, one walk, and seven strikeouts. Freddie Peralta went three scoreless innings out of the Brewers' bullpen and struck out six. Brewers pitching had 14 strikeouts in the game. Gio Gonzalez takes the loss for the White Sox. He's 0-1. Four earned runs, five total on eight hits over four and a third innings, three walks, and three strikeouts. White Sox got on the board first in the bottom of the second inning thanks to a Leory Garcia two-run homer, his third of the year. White Sox in the top of the third challenged a play on a Jed Jerko single, 2-1 in favor of Chicago. Yelich's inside the park homer in the top of the fifth inning, tied the game at two, and then Jerko hit his first homer of the year, a two-run shot to make it 4-2 Milwaukee. Orlando Arcia added on another run with an RBI single in that fifth inning, 5-2 in favor of the Brewers. Top of the eighth inning, Brewers score three, a Justin Smoke sacrifice fly and a Mark Matthias two-RBI single. White Sox got one more run in the bottom of the ninth inning in garbage time on a LeUri Garcia double. Box score for the Brew Crew, Keston Hiura goes two for six. Christian Yelich, this was quite a game. One for two with an RBI on an inside-the-park home run. He scores three runs. He walked four times. Omar Narvaez, the former White Sox, goes two for four. Mark Mathias, two for five with two RBI. Everybody in the Brewers lineup except for Justin Smoke and Ben Gamble had at least one hit. For Chicago, they had just six hits. Lurie Garcia goes two for three with three RBI and a run scored. It has been really difficult for the White Sox as they have had injuries mounting on their infield. Nick Madrigal is going to be out more than likely for the rest of the regular season. Tim Anderson is still on the DL with his groin issue. Final game of the day, up in Seattle between the Angels and the Mariners. Shohei shooting one out to left field, has some carry. Gordon moving back near the wall, gone! Big fly O'Tanisa. one nothing Halos. Angels take the lead on that Shohei Ohtani-Homer in the top of the second inning. They never trail as they beat Seattle 6-1 at T-Mobile Park. Anaheim is 5-8. Seattle is 5-9. Dylan Bundy gets the win. He is 2-1. Bundy goes a complete game, allows one run on four hits, no walks, and ten strikeouts. Taiwan Walker takes the loss for Seattle. He is 1-2. Four runs on three hits over three and two-thirds innings, three walks, and three strikeouts. Angels get their first run on that home run from Otani, his third of the year. Three runs in the top of the fourth inning, thanks to a Tommy Lastella single, a Justin Upton hit-by-pitch with the bases loaded, and a Max Stassi sacrifice fly. Dan Vogelbach hits his first homer of the year for the Mariners to make it 4-1 in the bottom of the fourth inning. Nobody scores again until Max Stassi's two-run homer in the top of the eighth, 6-1 Angels the final. Angels had seven hits in the ballgame, two of them coming from Tommy LaStella, two for four with an RBI and a run scored. Max Stassi, one for three with three RBI, two coming on the homer, one on the sack fly. For Seattle, nobody had multiple hits. The hits were recorded by J.P. Crawford, Dan Vogelbach, Shed Long, and Malik Smith. That is your recap for Thursday, August 6th, 2020. Now let's take a look at today's ball games and some of the league leaders. <laughs> We start off the day in the battle for DC. The five and seven Orioles at the four and five Nationals at 6:05 Eastern Time. Tommy Malone goes for Baltimore. Starter yet to be announced for Washington. Malone 0-1 with a 5.63 ERA. 6:40 Eastern Time at the Trop. Yankees and Rays in a battle for more than likely first place in the AL East when it is all said and done. Obviously not right now, but the two best teams in the division, no doubt. Masahiro Tanaka for New York no record of 3.38 ERA, Blake Snell for Tampa Bay no record of 5.4 ERA. 7:05 Eastern Time in Pittsburgh, 5-5 five five Tigers who had the last few days off because of the Cardinals COVID issues against the 3-10 Pirates, starter yet to be announced for Detroit. It'll be Chad Cool for Pittsburgh, no record of 1.8 ERA. 7.05 Eastern time in Philadelphia, 9-5 Braves at the 3-4 Phillies. Kyle Wright for Atlanta 0-1 with a 7-5 ERA. Vince Velasquez for Philly, no record, and an ERA of 12. 7-10 Eastern time at City Field, 6-1 Marlins at the 5-8 Mets. No starter announced for Miami, Michael Walker for New York. 1-1 record, an ERA of 6. 7.30 Eastern time at Fenway Park. 4-6 Blue Jays at the 4-8 Red Sox. Tanner Roark for Toronto, 1-0 with a 1-8 ERA against Ryan Weber for Toronto. 0-2 record and an ERA over 11. 7.05 Central time at Kauffman Stadium. 10-3 Twins at the 4-10 Royals. Devin Smeltzer for Minnesota, 1-0 with an ERA over 11. Jake Junis for Kansas City, no record, a 4-1-5 earned run average. In Milwaukee, 710 Central Time, 5-8 Reds at the 5-5 Brewers. Trevor Bauer goes for Cincinnati 1-0 record and a .68 ERA. Eric Lauer goes for Milwaukee. He is not allowed to run and has no record. 7-10 Central Time on the South Side of Chicago. 8-6 Indians at the 7-6 White Sox. Aaron Savali goes for Cleveland. 1 1 record at 375 ERA. Dylan Cease for Chicago 1-1 and record, a 6.48 ERA. I am calling this next game tentative unless I hear otherwise, and this just goes to show you what COVID has done to this season. 7-10 Central Time at Bush Stadium. The 10-3 Chicago Cubs against the 2-3 St. Louis Cardinals. John Lester for Chicago, 1-0 record with a .82 ERA. Daniel Ponce de Leon for St. Louis, 0-1 record with a 6.75 ERA. Again, I am still not saying that that game happens until that game happens. 7-10 Mountain Time start in Texas, 5-8 Angels at the 3-8 Rangers, Griffin Canning for the Angels. He is 0-1 with a 3.38 ERA. Jordan Lyles for Texas, 0-1 with a flat-6 ERA. 6-10 Pacific Time start in San Diego. 5-8 Diamondbacks at the 7-6 Padres. Luke Weaver for Arizona, 0-2 record, ERA above 14. Kyle Davies, pardon me, Zach Davies. Kyle Davies is a guy I knew in high school. 1-1 record with a 4-5 ERA for the former Milwaukee Brewer. 6-10 start at the Oakland Coliseum, 6-6 Astros at the 9-4 A's. Zach Greinke for Houston, no record in ERA of 5. Chris Bassett for Oakland, 1-0 with a .93 ERA. 6:40 Pacific Time, 9-3 Rockies at the 5-9 Mariners. Antonio Senzatella for Colorado, 2-0 record with a 2.45 ERA. Gisei Kikuchi for Seattle, no record of 4.66 ERA. And final game of the night... Giants and Dodgers 640 down at Chavez Ravine. Giants are six and eight. Dodgers are nine and four. Jeff Samarja goes for San Francisco, 0-1 record at 931, earned run average. Julio Urias for Los Angeles, 1-0 with a 245 ERA. Those are your games for today. Let's take a look at some of the league leaders. I want to go more with numbers rather than averages. League leaders in hits at 20, Seattle's Kyle Lewis and San Francisco's Donovan Solano each have 20. In terms of runs scored, it'll be J.P. Crawford, Aaron Judge, Trevor Story, and Mike Yastrzemski playing for the Mariners, Yankees, Rockies, and Giants, respectively, each with 12. Who leads the league in doubles, might you say? Well, the league leader in doubles is none other than J.D. Martinez and Christian Walker of the Red Sox and the Diamondbacks, respectively. Who leads the league in triples? J.P. Crawford, Jake Cronenworth, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and Brandon Lau playing for the Mariners, Padres, Rangers, and Rays. They each have two. League leader in homers is Aaron Judge with seven. One behind him is the Reds, Nick Castellanos with six. Judge also leads the league in RBI with 17. Nelson Cruz of the Twins, second with 15. Tied for third are Charlie Blackman of the Rockies and Kyle Seeger of the Mariners with 14. Carlos Santana leads the league in walks drawn with 15. Matt Olsen of the A's and Mike Yastrzemski of the Giants are second, tied with 13. And in terms of stolen bases, we're not going to see a whole lot of them But the league leader in stolen bases is Tommy Pham for San Diego with five, Luis Robert of the White Sox, and Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Padres each have four. Now let's take a look at some of the pitching stats. The current qualifier in terms of ERA is Lance Lynn of the Rangers at .49. Second is Randy Dobnak at .60. League leader in wins, it's a tie with three between Shane Bieber of the Indians Garrett Cole of the Yankees, Sonny Gray of the Reds, and Ross Stripling of the Dodgers. Innings pitched is a tie between Shane Bieber and Dylan Bundy, 21 and two-thirds innings for both of them, Bieber of the Indians, Bundy of the Angels. Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs is third with 20.1. Top three strikeout leaders are Shane Bieber with 35, Sonny Gray with 28, and Luis Castillo, also of the Reds, with Gray at 26. Not far behind are Dylan Bundy of the Angels with 25 and Lance Lynn with 24. The best whips in the league, Trevor Bauer of the Reds and Zach Plesak of the Indians at .53. Dylan Bundy is third at .60. And in terms of opponents' batting average, let's go with a paltry .91 from Trevor Bauer of the Reds. Lance Lynn is second at 100. Alec Mills of the Cubs is third at 116. We hope that you enjoyed that look at the league leaders. Next week, we'll do a standings update and give you the playoff picture as it stands at the point when we get to, I'd say, about 30% of the way through the season. Let's do it after 20 games, okay? Let's do it after 20 games. I'll promise you that right now. And that'll be it for us here on MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. Have a great rest of your day, everybody, and as always, we will catch you in the AM.